0: Welcome to Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, the podcast for busy and high-performing entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to create more energy and optimize their health while upgrading their brain and personal performance with precision. I am your host, Julian Hayes II. I've been involved with health and performance for over a decade. This podcast was created for the high performer who is unapologetically ambitious, the one who moves at a fast pace and operates with an edge, the one who wants to become superhuman. Nothing here is fluff, gimmicky, or feel good. I have little to no interest in simply helping you improve your life. I want to help transform it. By listening to this podcast, expect to have a body that feels just as good as it looks. Expect to possess a swagger and style that gives off an infectious vibe. Expect to command the stage or any boardroom you walk into with your executive presence. And lastly, expect to become your most enhanced self so you can live a limitless life. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Julian Hayes II, and today we are talking about a topic that we can all relate to, and that is stress, but not just any type of stress. We're talking about the epigenetics of stress, which is going to really blow your mind. And so here with me today is Dr. Melissa Peterson. She's an author, speaker, epigenetic longevity expert, and is the founder of Longevity Life Hub. And has a few more surprises that you will probably be shocked by. So, without further ado, Dr. Melissa, how's it going?
1: Ooh, it's so great to be here, Jillian. Thank you. I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, what surprises? So I'm excited. <laughs> I know you're gonna, you're gonna like get, put me through the ringer today, so that I really, this is gonna be fresh for me too. You guys, we're all in it together.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, by now, listeners are know that um, I, I don't really have a lot of scripted things. And so I just kind of just go with the flow. I, that's I great. picture myself being like a jazz musician. And so I'm just improvising.
1: I love that. That's, that's where the best conversations occur. Yeah. You we know, don't let's go totally off script, go off-roading. That's where all the adventure lies. We're going to hit every bump, every nook and cranny. And, uh, and I think it'll be a fun, engaging conversation.
0: Yeah. So I guess let's start with the big elephant in the room for everyone this year. And it's been the to put it nicely, we're at 2020. A lot of us had a plan for 2020, and it quickly got disrupted in some type of ways. So, what are some lessons and kind of insights that you kind of learned from this year?
1: Mm, I, I love it. I, I you know I think the very first lesson is a reminder that we really get to frame our reality and so this is the foundational lesson in stress you can never control another person place or thing as much as you may have the illusion or the thought that you can the only thing that any of us can control is our own response to what is happening and there has never been a better time in history to really practice that life lesson right and really become masters at it um and i'm sure that everybody listening has maybe had days that they've done well with that lesson and other times where they've not. Right. And, uh, and myself included, you know, it's And and I'll tell you because there's, it it hasn't just been one thing, right. It hasn't just been COVID. There has been so much Julian in all of this that um, in one way or another, I think many of us have been shaken to our core, whether it's around a specific issue topic, whether it's economic, right. In one form or fashion. And, I'll tell you, um, and this is probably one of those surprise things that you were going to bring up, but it actually pertains to this. When I think about this year and I think about the level of disruption, I think back to a time in my life when I was actually in the crazy wild world of professional wrestling. And um, I came into that experience not to be a wrestler. I was brought into it To be, at the time, kind of, they were reinventing the role of women in wrestling. And uh, we were called the Nitro Girls. And so we were there to entertain. I was there to do interviews. We, you know, we we were like the fly girls from In Living Color. I'm really dating myself from way back in the 90s. (laughs) Like, we were there to be like the hype girls, right? And to keep it fun and to keep it family friendly. Well, then we got brought into the storylines. And I actually had to go to wrestling school. And this is where I'm going with this one of the very first lessons that I had to learn was how to take a fall without actually getting hurt and to be able to get back up. So if you guys have ever watched wrestling, you know, you hear these thuds and it's real. Like the ring is not comfortable. It is just solid wood. It's not like, Oh, it's a fluffy little memory foam mat. No, that is solid. And yet it's like, okay, so how do you land? Like, because you're going to, you're going to, you are going to and nothing ever goes the way it's supposed to in the ring because adrenaline is racing. You know, so it's one thing to think that you kind of know how you're going to structure something and then you really get into a heightened situation and adrenaline kicks over and then nothing is precise anymore. And so there's so much more margin for error where people really can get hurt quite significantly. And so how do you prepare for that? How do you plan ahead? How do you train? And I think as entrepreneurs especially, right, right? We have to say, how do we start to train ourselves to, to, um, to realize like shit's going to go crazy and it's okay. We can be resilient. We can be adaptive. We can become anti-fragile. We can take the fall and we can get back up and we can seek new opportunities in a way that we can actually flourish and thrive. Um, so I, I can keep talking, but I want to give pause in case there's anything, you know, for you, because you know me, I like to chat. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, now I'm just personally curious when you were your back with the wrestling, um, yeah. the first time that you were getting ready to wrestle, did you have, yeah. how was, how was that? A lot of jitters?
1: Oh my gosh. It was, again, the adrenaline takes over and, um, Yes. A lot of jitters. And also like for me, it was really crazy because my first like match was like a really historic big match. And, um, and I basically, it was this defining moment where the nitro girls were dismantling. It was kind of in wrestling is called heels and baby faces. The good guys, the bad guys, (laughs) classic storyline. And I was a baby face. I was the good girl and, um, Tigress, that, that, Tigress. Uh, she was one of the nitro girls who's still one of my best friends to this day. She was one of the bad, she was, she was like going against me. Well, she had, um, Stacey Keebler who many people know Stacy Keebler, you know, thanks to George Clooney became kind of that household name. This was Stacy's big breakout moment. She had just come into wrestling and she was with me. We were the good girls. And, uh, and all of a sudden basically what happened in this match, is that they kind of you know um i was i was winning it and basically stacy came in and switched sides and you know they knocked <laughs> me out and uh so i'm supposed to be completely knocked out and i wasn't right i wasn't um inside insight into wrestling not always what it seems but um the camera's right on me and all i and they're giggling at me and they're like teeing me and i'm like I had to like bite my tongue so hard (laughs) because I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to laugh. And like the camera is on me and I'm supposed to put on like millions of people. This is being broadcasted to millions of households. And so, yeah, I mean, there was, you talk about like, you know, pressure and, um, performance, like, you know, I think any athlete of any type, like the moment you have to, you actually have to perform what you've practiced and as a dancer, that's kind of how I even got into wrestling. I started when I was two and a half years old. And any time, like huge, you know, any stage you're on from big to small, the moment that you gotta go, it's, that's part of what fuels you, mm-hmm. is the jitters, is the adrenaline. Um, and yeah, and I think this is, a, this is a high performer strategy because this is where our gift can also become our curse. Because sometimes we really like that edge, we like the jitter, we like the, like I gotta go out and like in the unknown, And, and that can prompt us, right? So we get kind of hooked on that drive and for, and what that can look like in day-to-day life as an entrepreneur is actually procrastination. It's kind of this, like, I got to wait, I got to, the pressure has to mount. It's do or die odds. Like, am I going to be able to pay my bills this month or not? And so there's kind of this, like, you know, really these extremes that a lot of entrepreneurs go through, but it's tapping into, in essence, almost that high performance kind of drive which comes back to that adrenaline. And there are short-term gains that can be had with it. But I think the bigger question, the thing that we can unpack and and explore today, really through the lens of epigenetics, is how can we dial in and begin to learn so much more about the quality of the signals and the inputs that are are truly triggering our system? And how can we use those for the, the results that we want? So we can actually Again, kind of control our output, we can increase the likelihood of really we wanna high perform without crashing our system. Mm-hmm. We wanna be able to show up with precision and with vitality versus being tanked and, and frustrated and you know, ready to snap at any given moment because we don't know if it's gonna work or not. So there is always that rub, right, with kind of leveraging stress. Is it you stress or distress? And, and I think that's one of the things that we, we have to understand what that means. And then we can really look at what's available to us within it. So before I go into any definitions, any questions or thoughts on that, otherwise I'll jump right into you stress and distress.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just started, I was just smiling when you said that they wait till the last minute and procrastinate because I'm, I'm just the same way. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're working on a book right now and yes. it's at the finishing line and uh, When I think about when I was writing a book or even when I'm writing a column or if I'm preparing for interviews, I kind of like waiting to the last minute. Yeah. And it's a very addicting feeling. And a lot of times we treat Mm -hmm. our health that way because a lot of high performers are excellent problem solvers. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a problem until it is a problem.
1: That's right. Yeah. I love that absolutely and we do we get addicted to oh man that's so great it's not a problem until it's a problem and that's true we're problem solvers and think about that so there's so there's this part of what's really going on that i like to always pull it back and say what's really the story that's driving what's the story that's driving the story what's the narrative that's producing the outcomes because as high performers we're all addicted to the outcome right but we also have a process that we use to get to the outcome. And so if on the one hand we're like, I wanna, you know, I want to write this really impactful column. And when I when I write and I know that I'm impacting and changing lives, then I feel really full, I feel free, I feel empowered, I feel unstoppable. And when I'm feeling like that, the world's my oyster and I just seem to attract, you know, more opportunities and more wealth and blah 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 blah. Right. So we all have our why that drives it. Yet is the path to achieving the outcome The problem, you know, there is no problem until it's the problem, right? Kind of, Mm -hmm. if we leverage the carrot and the stick, then what are we really, what's, what's the true outcome that we are creating for ourselves, you know, at what cost becomes the question and, and that serves us until it doesn't serve us any longer. And I think what I want everybody to really, I want to invite everybody listening to into right now. Is the reality that you get to decide if just because something used to be true, is it still true today? Because a process used to work and it does work. Is that still the same process that you choose to leverage today? If you could get really great outcomes without needing to drive yourself to the addictive point Of that, you know, because what we become addicted to is the hormone cascade we become addicted to the flood of the hormones I mean, this is why people become addicted to their smartphones. It's why they become addicted to drama We become addicted to these powerful chemicals being released in our brain and our body Um, and yet what's the what's the downside of it, you know, so 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 If it's okay, I'd love to explain just for a moment, and and I know you write about this, so maybe your people have a good sense and understanding. But just for a little container, hormones, stress, distress, you stress, all that. Can I go into that? Oh yeah,
0: most most definitely. Let's do it. Yeah.
1: Okay, so you know, again. I like to really talk about stress as a as a tool to leverage, and I actually write columns and and a book on say yes to stress, and it's not in the way of oh yes let's use the carrot and the stick. I use it in a, in a couple of different ways. So first, let's understand that we've all become let's just embrace the fact stress is a badge of honor. It's i oh, I'm just it's an excuse. It's a it's a viable uh, reason as to why, well, why I can't do something, why I'm doing something this way, why I'm acting a little crazy, whatever. Like, it's almost like stress is a pass, you know, if you're stressed, okay, I get it. Somehow I get it. All right. So we've come to let it mean this cycle of busyness of, I got a lot, a lot's going on. Stress is simply an overload to the system. So it's more than the natural amount that the system can bear. And stress comes in really kind of three categorical um, areas, which is physical, and then there's mental, emotional, and there's chemical, environmental. So physical is going to be the, the trauma, right? So maybe you've had an accident, an injury, something very physical. And it's also the micro traumas that we don't think about. As entrepreneurs, are you do you have tech snacks? Are you sitting all day hunched over? Are you rounded? You know, what are your ergonomics? And so these are things just based on posture alone that impact our central nervous system and communicate back to the brain, which do impact performance, um, is our microtraumas, right? So there's, that's physical. Mental, emotional is what we typically think about stress. That's the, the ruminating thoughts, the busy brain, the I just can't get it out of my, my head. Um, it's worry, it's excitement, It's frustration, it's anger, it's all of the emotional stuff, right? Sadness, anxiety, all of it. Then we go into chemical and environmental. And and this is the stuff that people don't typically think about in the stress category, yet can have one of the most significant impacts to how they are physically and cognitively performing and experiencing um, the expression of their health. And so chemical and environmental, this is where we're getting into everything from the 84,000 chemicals just in our natural products and, you know, um, in, in world around us that have not been tested uh, as safe and effective by the FDA. So it's in our lotions, our potions that we're putting on our skin. It's in our fabrics of our clothes. It's in all the chemicals that are going into our foods, right? It's, it's in medications. It's all of that. Um, it's in our waterways. And, and a lot of these end up being things are called endocrine disruptors. So they create a lot of chaos and noise in our body and specifically hormones, how our hormones, which are chemical messengers um, are able to communicate and relay back signals. Now, remember part of the stress cycle is we get addicted to the hormone cascade and the hormone release. And the odds typically and the stakes typically have to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, and, And part of it is already the chaos at play, some of this disruption happening from these types of stress, okay? So just to wrap this up, the chemical and environmental, environmental people don't realize are things like sound, do you have a lot of noise pollution? How, and we can, we can understand air pollution, quality of air, and you may not be able to change what's happening in your city, but you can change the quality of air like in your office or your home, right? Um, light, I know you talk about this one a lot. Light is a super big environmental stressor. And oftentimes, it's the fact that we're not getting proper light and we're really messing up our circadian rhythms. So now, back to stress too much right it's just an overload to the system and it can be good or bad and stress is actually meant to be good and it's actually designed to allow us as humans to adapt to be resilient and then to evolve so to understand the environment the familiar zone go into the unknown outside of that familiar zone have an experience that we have to now grow. We have to, again, as we have to figure things out, we become more expansive. So if we just think evolve, evolve means going beyond where you've been, right? And so think about stress. It's actually innately designed to take you into new new states of self, new unknown territories. And how are you doing in those territories, right? So now let's take it to something we all understand, which is exercise. So exercise is a form of stress. And it's actually designed to be you stress, good stress. Good stress is an increased load to the system for a short amount of time, followed by rest and recovery. And when we have an increased challenge to the system, brain or body, short duration followed by rest and recovery, that's when growth occurs that's when we're actually growing and thriving and moving into new states. But now let's think about what many of us, especially as entrepreneurs, are dealing with, which is distress. And distress is that chronic, that chronic hustle and grind, that slow churn and burn. And this is where things get really kind of out of whack and out of balance. And so stress, that's chronic. And the funny thing is, is that we're like, Well, it's not some big overload to the system. It's not like every day you're taxing your system out. But what happens is think of it like a slow drip and it's this accumulation process. And so it accumulates over time and it creates low grade inflammation in the body and several things are happening. So this distress is, we now move into what's called a catabolic breakdown state. So it's breaking down tissue Um, And, and one of the the main ways that this happens is it begins to have this dysregulation to our hormones. Okay. So, um, and, and so over time, it's accelerating the rate at how we age, it's creating more inflammation, it's dysregulating these hormones and these hormones are at the top end of the, the cascade, if you will, Julian, is where we all have heard about cortisol. But what a lot of people don't necessarily understand is there's, there's the way things are set up in the body uh, from a biochemical process, there's pathways. And so if we were to try to make an easy analogy, think of a cog and a wheel, right? So think about a factory and there's like all these little factory workers and you know all these different pathways and things go from one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next to produce. And so that's kind of a real simplified way of thinking about pathways and cycles in the body. So hormones are these really important chemical messengers that drive different pathways. And so distress is the slow burn. There's no off switch. It's accumulating over time. We're not resting. We're not recovering. We're continuing to break down. And so we have to keep pushing harder. We start to feel more anxious. We start to feel more doubtful we start to get into the fomo and the comparison trap and we get inside of our head and we actually start to become our own worst enemy instead of our instead of truly the high performing genius that we are
0: So, you know, that's a lot. And
1: it is. I'm gonna pause.
0: <laughs> no, this is this is like a master, this is like a master class. And so this is why I, I, I didn't interrupt at all. It's like a masterclass yeah. because like you mentioned, when we think of stress, we always tend to think of it as it's a bad thing, as it's a thing you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. So we get a very incomplete picture of stress. It's like looking at an iceberg and you only see yeah. the top, but there's a lot at the bottom that we don't see. So I'm glad that you went into detail about stress. And now as we move over to stress and specifically epigenetics and longevity, let's, let's talk about that. How is that, um, that all connected together?
1: Yeah, this is important. So epigenetics, uh, for those listeners that maybe haven't heard of that term before, it's really what that li- literally means is above the gene. So you've probably all heard from Julian uh, conversations around your genetic code. And historically, we were kind of all brought up with this messaging, this thought that our genetic code is our human blueprint and kind of your, your genes are your destiny. And then yeah, about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, people started to realize, no, that's not accurate. Your genes are not your destiny they're malleable. They actually can express in different ways. So your DNA is kind of the hardware, like it is written, it's written in pen. Yet inside, a, you know, what happens in every cell where your DNA is stored is that, you know, the D, the code is the code is the code. And the code is the exact same, whether it's for a liver cell or bone. And so the question became by scientists, they could put, you know, put it in the Petri dish and go, well, okay, so what's determining how something expresses, how it turns into this versus that. And uh, and it's literally the signals from above the gene. So it's part of this code that'll open up, it pulls it out, it makes a copy, and it's just these amino acids, right? So little proteins that are forming together in a certain um, combination that will ultimately create and produce different um, structures and and functions within the body. And so epigenetics is the science of the signal from above the gene. What is signaling and forming the gene to express, turn on, or I say repress, stay closed. So it's, um, it's acetylation, methylation. So it's this process of that gene being able to be signaled. Now, the interesting thing is that epigenetics doesn't change the code itself epigenetics can change how the code expresses so it can still be there but just because you have it doesn't mean that it has to express and like the BRCA gene for example you know a a lot of women they see it they think oh my gosh my genes are my destiny and I've got this and that's it like end of story I'm gonna go get a mastectomy well hold up you don't have to just because you have it Yes, that is the hardware. Yes, that is written in pen, but that doesn't mean that it's going to express. And this is the case for any of your genes. Okay, this is just an example. So we look and we say, well, what influences that expression? And this all ties into longevity. So I'm going to connect all the dots here in just a moment. And it's, again, the quality of the signals. So just the very fact of exercise alone, just standard exercise recommendations, 150 minutes a week, can already lower the possibility of that BRCA expressing by more than 30%. So just one simple thing can already decrease the likelihood of that even being a thing versus somebody who doesn't have BRCA and who doesn't exercise, they actually have a higher likelihood of having breast cancer than somebody with BRCA that does exercise. So this is where it's really interesting. Genes are not your destiny. They are your code of potential, yet you get to be the master creator through the science of epigenetics, through the quality of the signals coming in from the environment. So we say, well, what, what informs the environment around the cell? Well, again, let's let's go meta. Let's zoom out and say, well, what informs the environment around the cell is the environment that the human is living in. How are, and because it's what creates that chemistry, right? The chemistry that those cells are bathed in. Well, that's going to be the foods we eat, the thoughts we think, the stress that we're under, right? Again, back to those hormones and those chemical cascades. Um, It's the quality of the air we're breathing, the light we're exposed to if we're sleeping, if we're not. So this is really where all of a sudden we can zoom way into the Petri dish and we can get uber specific, you know, right down to the gene and then to the phenotype. And then we can go way out, zoom way out and see the much bigger picture. To go, oh, look at all these signals, all these inputs coming in to this body that are informing the environment internally in the physiology. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so, classically, longevity uh, until recently has been looked at more through the lens of aging, right? So, kind of they say, all right, well, what causes the body to age? So, what either, so if we can understand what causes aging, Then there's the real race, just like, you know, the first airplane, Mm -hmm. who's going to be the first company, what's going to be the first tech that all of a sudden can literally transform lifespan. Um, And so if we can just figure out why we age, then we don't have to. That's kind of the, the concept. And so there's been different theories over time. And back in 2013, you know, they really kind of came to this foundational, hey, we've got these nine hallmarks of aging and all that means is the way I refer to it is those are the biological processes. And, um, and so that's what's happening inside the body that is going to either speed up or slow down how, how we age. And so some of the fundamental components of age that literally, I, if you were to think about a pyramid or a funnel, whatever, it truly is top down. What has the biggest impact systemically are alterations to the DNA, to the epigenetic expression, and to the telomeres. And, and then what's called uh, proteostasis, how these proteins from the DNA actually fold. And so what this all means is fundamentally, what starts to drive and accelerate the aging process are how well our bodies are being signaled and able to replicate their DNA. We have to replicate DNA thousands and thousands of time every single day. Um, and so, and there's always breaks in the DNA. This is a very natural process, but there's all these, um, this innate design that is able to repair those breaks. As we chronologically age, the ability to fix those breaks decreases. And then we go, okay, well, why is that? So then we kind of go further down. And, and basically where a lot of this falls, I think the easiest way to, to kind of make sense of it all. Is it really does come down to the big the big word inflammation inflammation, which they've now termed inflammation. So it's hmm. kind of this chronic inflammatory process. And we say, well, what causes inflammation? And now let's circle back to stress. Okay. And so again, physical, mental, emotional, chemical, environmental. And, and let's really say, well, what is that? Remember, stress is an overload to the system without time to rest and reset. Okay, so how am I overloading my system? what kind of crappy food am I eating? How late am I staying up? How many times am I getting less than a good quality seven to nine hours of sleep? You know, how much am I smoking or drinking or not moving or, you know, eating fat? Like, right. All of a sudden the start stuff starts to be a constant load onto the system. We think, Oh, it's just a little of this and a little of that, but it all stacks up. We're not resting. The body's not properly detoxing and eliminating. So now we've got this backup and all of this stuff starts to create this low level inflammation. So now let's tie it into aging, inflammation, 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 excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> it is speeding up the rate of cellular breakdown. And now let me make this one last thing. Cause this is important to high performers, cellular breakdown in our cells. It's where we make our energy. Mm-hmm. That's where ATP comes from, folks. And if we want to have energy for a clear brain, we want to be able to make those seven, eight figures. We want to impact hundreds of thousands of millions of lives. We want to go out there and be the change and do great work in the world. If we cannot get ourself right first and make ourselves a priority, we ain't going to be moving that dial much out there.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, what do you think about mindset and... And stress and how relate it relates to longevity.
1: Yes, I think it is. I think it is step one. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, in the book coming out, Codes of Longevity, I, I start all about mindset. Because, you know, we can have all these great interventions and strategies all day long. But what happens right here, right, mm-hmm. between the headspace, that's what's going to really determine our experience with it, our perception mm-hmm. of it, you know. So there's something in science called the placebo effect and the nocebo effect, um, and that's tied into mindset. Something if you think it's going to work or you don't think it's going to work, either way, you're right, right? Like there is there is absolute data that shows the greater you think something will, that and and I, now I take it to quantum, you know, quantum physics and say that's the observer-created reality effect.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And the most important thing, but can also be the most difficult thing, right? because of the conscious and the unconscious.
0: Yeah. So somebody hears it and they're thinking, okay, um, I exercise already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty good with my sleep. I'm pretty good with my nutrition. What cool. do you think there are some other opportunities for them to improve yeah. the way they handle stress?
1: The first thing is many of us don't really understand where our stress is coming from and or how it's impacting our physiology. And, and Julian, I want to make sure I come back to really spelling out how, where the stress becomes a good stress that you can leverage. So we'll, we'll kind of make sure we get back to that. But for the context of this question, so I think step one, if you think, Hey, I'm doing this stuff good. Like I'm, you know, I think I'm sleeping pretty good and that's great. Like I, I really invite people in, I want to invite them back in to connect mind to body. And this is called developing interoception oftentimes we are disconnected and we really don't have a clear full awareness uh, because abnormal has become our normal. And so this is where we can get a little unbiased assessment through wearable technology, right? So something like an aura, a Garmin, a Fitbit, a whoop, and just starting to look. And I tell people, look, this is, doesn't mean I'll, I'll have patients and clients all the time that will question their data. Right. And I'm just like, this isn't saying that this is hundred percent. Look at this as your pattern. Look at this as how we want to get a baseline and understand these metrics as it applies to you, and notice when those metrics start to change. And now let's connect the dots. Well, what happens specifically on that day, on that time? You know, one of um, one of my friends, literally, he he's an athlete. He's a very high performer. And, um, and, and feels that he knows his body really, really well. And he'd gone out did a big, um, did a big run and knows that he's already a little like tanked after the run, right? Mm-hmm. He had hit a run and then he had like, whatever, they went out and they had like two beers or they had, some, they had two drinks of some sort. Well, um, the next day he was able to see that his body battery was really tanked. Now what body battery means to Garmin, you guys, in case you don't um, use the stuff is it just really shows as your system recovered. And what happens that many of us don't know is we, we think we're fine, right? We think, okay, I did that yesterday. I'm fine today. And so we get back up and we go play full out again. And one of the biggest sources of stress is that we didn't take the proper time. Remember you stress, is loaded to the system with time to rest and recover. When the system can recover, then it comes back and it's it's stronger than ever, it's more thriving than ever. But many of us are not recovering. We're not fully resting and we're not fully recovering. So we go back out and we we hit it again really hard and we do this and we hustle and we hustle and we go and we go. We don't take our foot off the gas and we are not realizing that we're tanking our system. So first place i say start looking at some metrics and mm-hmm. and don't just think it like know f- what is really showing up for your body and get curious not not like guilt blame shame it's just like get really interested and curious about your body um and then you'll also see the first time that i'd gotten my garmin and i and it was um like i had been my stress, like my stress had been for a few days in like, primarily it was in the high teens or the low twenties. And then this one day it was up at like 79. It was crazy. I'm like, God, what is going on now? I had a full on day, right? I was like, what is happening? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do, I just for myself, I said, you know, what, I'm going to do one minute, 60 seconds of coherence work. So coherence, you guys, is just a really simple way of bringing your your mind to your heart through your breath. And it's really, if I were to say it even more simplified, it's a process of connecting mind and body, right? Because most of us are in our mind and we've disconnected from our body. So it's just taking a moment to connect mind and body through breath. So I did 60 seconds. That's all I did. And I had my son watch it too, right? So I'm like, I'm not skewing anything. (laughs) And it went back down to 21 in 60 seconds. Oh, wow. From 79 to 21 in one minute by simply focusing on my breath and just being intentional to get, you know, just being embodied again out of my head and back really more into my center. Um, And that's kind of the power of what happens because remember, gang, stress is going to happen and stress can be really good for us and it can actually help us to grow if we take the right time to notice when we haven't recovered and go, you know what? I'm just going to go slow. I'm not going to work out today because I'm not ready to, even though I want to or think I should, my body's not ready. And if I push it today, then I'm going to tank it. Then I'm going to take me into this place of this inflammation. I'm going to further deplete my energy stores. I'm going to really create stress for my cellular health and function. So I think that's such a powerful place to begin. It's like, let's not guess. Let's just, get curious and have fun and know.
0: Yes. um, I'm very guilty. I'm getting, I'm getting better at it in terms of just absolutely crushing my body. I love those tough workouts because that's, that's where I get my addicted feeling from, you know? And so um, I went against my, my, my wearable here one day and I just did a long run regardless, like whatever, I don't care. And I think it took three or four days to get back. (laughs) <laughs> to get back. And I could feel it because my yeah. legs were heavy when I was running. I was like, oh man, maybe this thing is a little more, a little more correct. Maybe, <laughs> it is, maybe it's Maybe it's more, it's much more accurate than I think it is because my right. legs were heavy after like yeah. three miles, my legs were already heavy. So, yeah. um, I, I love that point. I totally agree with that. And let's circle back around to what you were talking about when, um, with that question about the good stress and determining it and yeah. leveraging it.
1: Yeah. So one of the ways that when I say, say yes to stress, to recognize it's a teachable moment. So when, when you are, and I I like to, instead of saying triggered, tweaked, like, right. When you, when you feel a tweak, whether that's excitement, it's kind of like this, Oh, or it's that twinge of like, Ooh, right. Kind of either way, but you're, you're going in. And even if you're forcing, you're pushing or whatever, Mm. step one, if we were to just start to like I said even with your wearable get curious about when your system is being amped. When are you being tweaked? When are you being triggered? When are you noticing? And and when you begin to become aware, you actually get to lean in because there's there's always information. There's always information in the stress. And this kind of goes back to where we started. Like right now, you and everybody listening, right? We all have a process of how we do our work, of how you write an article. So you've got a process that includes a bit of procrastination that gets you right up to the edge. And now you're like, I'm down to the wire. I've got to do my best work. There's no time for revisions, no time for second guessing. I'm going all in. Okay. And and that's and that seems pretty beneficial for you, right? So you become aware of, yeah, I like the stress. I like, like, I like that. I like riding that edge a little bit. Um, but then we get to say, well, okay, how often am I doing this? And, and what, is this, what, is this that I'm, what is this really showing me about myself? So when stress strikes and we become aware of it, you know, then we get to say, well, what, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to me? Because mm-hmm. like I said, there's information in it. And sometimes we get stressed unknowingly. And we don't know why, and we think it's another person's fault, but we get to say, well, wait, what am I feeling? What does this mean to me? And the next question, the next place that we get to go is really into an empowered place of choice. Okay. Does this work really well for me that I want to keep this? Like this is beneficial, even though I might be feeling ticked off, even though I might be feeling like really worried, like, am I going to make the deadline? is the the benefit worth the cost right like is the benefit of like completing this article and how I feel with it does that outweigh this over here and it might be yes it might be no and if it's yes and you're going to keep doing what you're doing if it's no you get to go well how can I do this differently how can I still really write a kick-ass article Mm -hmm. without maybe you know cranking my body like this, where it could be like a little bit more, like I'm still gonna push it. So what I mean by it's actually good and it's gonna help us to grow is the more we can become aware of when we're stressed, of why we're stressed, we just get to simply say, how's this working for me? Is this a form of stress that I feel is really like it's it's allowing me to thrive. I'm really feeling like I'm thriving and I feel like I'm growing, or is this the kind of stress that is mentally exhausting? And like, the more I do this, like, even though I keep producing, I just feel that slow wear and tear on me and on my system.
0: Yes. I think of it like, um, you can get away with some bad habits as, as an athlete, maybe at 22, 23, mm-hmm. I think of a lot of, I knew a few pro, um, athletes and their diets were terrible. Mm-hmm. You can get away with that. I mean, I used to have Skittles and candy for a post-workout and be fine. Yeah. But then you start to be an aging athlete or you start to have some years of attrition on you and you can get away with those same habits yeah. that, you know, and so that's kind of what I think about this with some of the things we get away with mm-hmm. and bring in all of those, it's all that unnecessary stress. And it's good yeah. for us in that moment. But like you mentioned, there's a lot going on underneath the hood of the car yeah. that we don't see yeah. until the engine goes out.
1: That's right. That's absolutely right. And if there were just some simple ways to support the system, right? So, mm-hmm. again, let's, so ep- positive epigenetic influences that are going to support cellular health, proper DNA replication, epigenetic expression. Um, some of the levers that move the dial most significantly absolutely are going to be quality sleep. Mm-hmm. And this is a place that a lot of people, and especially entrepreneurs, we will push the envelope and because we're checking those emails we're checking those notifications we're making one more post like there is this constant idea today that we have to be so visible we have to be so accessible um and again we're not creating healthy boundaries for ourselves to honor the real innate driver which is our very human nature and we can think that we want to hack all day long yet all the hacks are simply designed To do what we are supposed to do as a human. And if we, instead of trying to, to like, okay, let me influence my light environment. Let me try to look, just turn it off. Like sun goes down. That's when your body's wanting to start winding down. Right. If the sun is gone by nine and you're staying up till 1am, there's a huge gap. Your body's out out of its normal cycle in our cells, our our genes, we have these, we have these innate, these clocks that are inside of us. Right. And so anyway, I think that if people, I'll save that for another discussion another time, but sleep is paramount and sleep can also be one of the most confusing things to optimize because there are a lot of signals, right? Mm -hmm. So light is going to be your biggest modulator. And interestingly enough, Light not just at the end of the day, but more importantly, how you light your day in the morning will inform how well you sleep at night. Mm-hmm. So this idea of getting up with the sun, getting morning rays, you know, that that literally starts to signal those clocks. And then if you think on a clock cycle, if you think like nature cyclically, mm-hmm. then you can say, okay, well, how am I cycling through my day? Where are some of my natural rhythms? And so a natural rhythm becomes food. And so, you know, when we think about longevity, we think about high performance, um, the quality of the inputs are the food that we're eating because we're eating a couple of times a day. Right. And so obviously it goes to say as best as you can. Yes. Glucose and insulin and stress, this triad of the three are what drive the aging process. more glucose, the more stress, so stress, fight or flight, it's going to dump glucose so that we can fight or flight, but we're typically not fighting or flighting. We're sitting, we're stewing. So then it's, you know, the insulin has to come in because like too much glucose, we don't need it. And this is dangerous to have all this flooding the system. So then it stores it as fat. And so if we're looking to say, what do we do with stress? The more we become aware of it, now we don't have to fight and flight. We can be proactive. Um, we can sleep better. We can start to track. And from a nutritional standpoint, as simple as there are these kind of, we'll call them modulators or support players Mm -hmm. that help the pathways of that biology back to those nine hallmarks of aging to slow down the rate of aging. And so let's think cellular health, what's going to help with energy production, keep the energy good, what's going to help to keep the inflammation low. So if we could just kind of think about that and think of energy, the energy is currency, like money. So we go, well, what produces energy? What helps to create energy? Proper nutrients are going to aid in that energy cycle. Um, proper rest aid in that, right? What's going to take away? When How do we expend energy? Well, when we are working, our brain, our body, right? So that's kind of where that When we don't pay attention to the body battery, when we have the long run like you did, that we're not Mm -hmm. really listening, that we keep going, that we actually, that's when we go into debt. We're like using too much of what we have Mm -hmm. and now we're going into debt. And so, so let's think about this energy currency. Um, And there's a category of these pathway modulators that support all this and they're called Sirtuins. And some really well-known sirtuin foods that are epigenetic modulators. So they can epigenetically speak kindly to your cells. They can offset some of that inflammation, right? They can keep the energy pumping. And and this is all going to work with you taking time to rest and recover. Um, But the big ones are going to be curcumin, and that's going to be turmeric, right? Um, Resveratrol. So even like, oh, this is where kind of the idea of the blue zones and the Mediterranean living, a glass of red wine. There's actually a lot of data around that, but it's also things like um, ECGC going to be in like your matcha green tea. So that's something really, really great. It's very epigenetically driven that it's going to enhance the health and the expression of health within your body. And those are just a few, like there's more in the codes of longevity book. We break all this stuff down, but um, you know, you, you take in a few good things. You still go out and you let yourself grow because even just doing nothing isn't good, right? Go out right. and take on new adventures. Be, be taxed, be inspired, be you know pushed out of your comfort zone and take on new challenges, but then come back and rest and recover and nourish and nurture yourself. And it is truly this ebb and flow, this give and receive, right? And and that's, we can leverage technology to remind us, but all the technology is doing is revealing our human needs and our human nature. And the more we just honor that, the less we need all the other stuff and it gets really simple. And then we can just have so much more energy to not only write those awesome articles, but now like like the article's done and you've got so much energy left over and now you're like thriving in such a way, like you're able to take on more so efficiently you're in like that flow state. And then that, that level of how you're living is so dramatically different than the hustle and the grind.
0: Yes, that is a great way to put a bow on this. Where can listeners find out more? Um, about all this valuable information and get the book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So the book is called Codes of Longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so codesoflongevity.com is, will be, you know, where they can go and, and find out more about the book itself. And then um, just Longevity Life Hub is kind of a just a consumer-based, um, you know, site that we have lots of great information and resources on. And we have this uh, 12 Ways to Live to 120 free guide over there so people can go and download it and, and enjoy that. It's kind of a, just a fun jump right in. Um, so those are a few places. This my personal site is docmelissa.com. And I'm super happy to just continue to share resources as anybody's interested because it's not just about living a long life well. I think of longevity as a legacy. It's really about a legacy project mm-hmm. because it's not like, what age am I at and how long do I want to live, which is important to ask yourself, right? It is important to get curious about, man, if you could live to any age, fully supported, like vital and thriving, what would that look like? Because when you said mindset, we do need to expand the field of possibility. Yet it's not just about an age. It's saying, how are we as individuals living today? But what, what does how we live today impact the next generation and the next and the next? And And we're living in such a disruptive yet really pivotal time Mm -hmm. where there's so much possibility. There's so much possibility just birthing from all this disruption. And, And that's what stress is, right? Like we've been taken into the unknown and we've had time to actually rest, to get uncomfortably comfortable. And now we're all like ready to expand and to explode into these new spaces And so longevity isn't just physical health or mental health or emotional health. It is our environment. It is our chemistry. It is our soil. It is our mindset. It is well-being, our purpose and our connection and love. It's, it truly is our humanness. And so anybody that just wants to more fully explore what it means to be human then come grab the cause of longevity. And, um, you know, thank you so much for this time today.
0: I love that. And I will have all of these links and things that she mentioned in the show notes, Dr. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me and everyone out there. Stay awesome, be limitless and enjoy the song. Peace.